one part that's critical to all of it is the culture has to be there first. It's one thing to talk about innovation, but innovation at its forefront, really in my mind, means you're going to have a lot more failures than you're going to have successes. And associated to that means you're going to spend money that's not always going to have positive ROIs. excited today to be here with Michael Nadell. He is a senior director for insurance at Simon Kucher and Partners. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thanks, Josh, for having me. I appreciate it. Maybe just a quick intro about the firm, your role, and uh, maybe a little bit of your background as well. As you mentioned, I'm senior director at Simon Kutcher and Partners. Uh, we are a global marketing and strategy consultancy. Um, we focus solely on growth-enabled topics, so we're looking to uh, help our com um, our clients figure out their growth strategies and how to execute them. Um, when we think about that, it's really kind of four key buckets that the work is broken down into. Um, it's thinking about the product itself, so how is it structured, how have you composed your offerings. Uh, very often, we're looking and talking to customers about um, the packaging structures that they put their products into. Um, one of the other buckets that we look at is pricing. We're known as the world's leading pricing strategy firm. Um, so it's not only what you charge for your products, but how are you charging for them? The metrics, the levels, um, and, and that you associate to the pricing. We, we do a lot of work around sales uh, and ensuring that sales organizations are at their most uh, effective, thinking about customer coverage, processes, the tools, and the compensation for sales orgs to make sure that they're um, firing at all cylinders. And then finally, thinking about marketing uh, and the effective use of marketing uh, and the ROI on your spend. And we do that all across a number of different sectors. I focus on the insurance industry uh, in particular, covering carriers, TPAs, MGAs. If it's in the insurance segment, we look at it and focus on it. Um, prior to this, I spent time at uh, CNA and Accenture. Um, at CNA, I was leading the innovation function within our, our strategy and innovation group, uh, really thinking about how to enable uh, growth for CNA's strategy by utilizing technology, uh, both internally and externally. So a big part of that work was looking at the partner ecosystem and who was out there that could help enable um, some of the growth strategies that we were trying to enable at CNA. I'm curious to jump into one of those four pillars right away, and that's pricing because, sure. you know, the insurance industry, unique elements to pricing strategy. So would you be able to maybe comment on that? Yeah. So in the world of pricing, unlike some of the other uh, sectors of our company, um, obviously the insurance product is pricing is primarily driven in an actuarial um, role and it's managed and, and regulated on a state-by-state -state, uh, basis. So our group does not uh, get into the actuarial um, pricing aspects. We, we leave that to, to the actuaries and the people that are you know smarter than us on that topic. But where we do a lot of pricing work in the insurance industry primarily is for all of those service providers that are selling services into the insurer, whether that's a TPA, whether that's an insure tech, selling software or analytics, um, we do a lot of work with those different customers to figure out what is the best pricing mechanism that that they can be using and what are the right levels and how can they maximize their, their price to value relationship. Um, 
you know, ultimately pricing is really just a measure of value, uh, the same way that a foot is a measure of distance. Um, when you're pricing your, your products, it's really all about what is the customer valuing in this product and matching that value to the price relationship to be able to optimize uh, the price that you're able to charge for your products. You know, is there a difference in your mind in the approach that that those companies take to addressing some of these issues and versus, say, maybe an earlier stage company that yeah. maybe doesn't definitely. have the have the resources to engage someone like you? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, on the various, I'll, I'll start on the, the opposite end of the spectrum with the very established company. So with very established companies or products, um, there's a lot of ability to go out and get market feedback on price product, that value relationship, defined customer segmentation. And, and we have a bunch of methodologies that we can essentially deploy into the market to help these companies figure out, you know, you're undercharging this, this segment, you might be using the wrong metric, you didn't even know about this customer segment and what their needs are. And, and for them, you know, deploying these methods into the market helps get a lot of very good feedback. Uh, and adjust very easily. On the new and established side for maybe a nascent market that you're entering or a net new product into an existing market, you know, the best type of advice that we typically go out and, and give folks, and and it's not always listened to, but it's before you even build the product, it's really understanding like what is it that your customers want out of this product? What do they value? And most importantly, what are they willing to pay for? More often than not, people build what they perceive that customers want and then assign a price value to it, go out to market. And the first time that they're getting feedback on the pricing or even the features in their product is when they're going to sell it. And what we what we recommend is really the opposite of that. You have a hypothesis for a product, for an offering, for a service, whatever it is. And the first step that we recommend to these you know, new entrants is to go out and speak to their target market and ask, are these the things that you want? And not only are they things that you want, would you be willing to pay for them so that by the time you bring your product to market, you're already confident in its, its fit into the market as well as that relationship to value and price. Uh, and you're not getting feedback for the first time when you're trying to sell a product and then having to scramble to figure out why are customers not paying for this? Is it the product feature set? Is it the price? The variables become so large by that point that it's very hard to unwind where the problem is. So we recommend starting the conversation at that point. If you were tasked with inside a carrier kind of trying to drive innovation, because you said carriers want to drive innovation. Yeah. You know, how would you approach it? Would you create an innovation group? How, how would you approach yeah. trying to trying to build that innovation muscle in, in a carrier. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with one part that's critical to all of it is the culture has to be there first. Um, it's one thing to talk about innovation, but innovation at its forefront, really in my mind, means you're going to have a lot more failures than you're going to have successes. And associated to that means you're going to spend money that's not always going to have positive ROIs. And I think that if if the company's belief is not aligned to that, then it's unlikely for it to be successful. So let's assume that that's the case and you're sort of starting to build your innovation function from that. Uh, for me, the first part is having a bunch of people internally. I, I would build an innovation function that understand insurance and understand the industry 
and you partner them up with different areas of the business specifically so that they can more deeply understand the strategies that these different business units are trying to deploy. There is so much knowledge within an insurance carrier that's spread out. Centralizing it is one of the first kind of things to understand. Like, um, you know, at CNA specifically, they, they have a commercial and a specialty business unit. Um, they both sell insurance, but they might have different strategies around distribution, growth strategies, where they want to grow in particular. And so having people that are dedicated to understanding those strategies and being able to centralize them in one place and say, look, we've got five areas of the business that are trying to do something very similar. How can we leverage, you know, a technology A as a solution, maybe as an opportunity to enable that, right? So often what you see is five different duplications of that same attempt across a company, which is just wasted effort and spend. So the first part is the establishment of sort of that centralized kind of brain function to understand what the left hand and right hand are trying to do. The, the next aspect of that for me then is getting as close to the end customer as you possibly can to ultimately capture the feedback to ensure that what you're going to market with is going to, to meet their needs. Um, I think there's a lot of personal lines carriers that do a really good job uh, of this in particular. Um, and that's establishing focus groups. That is establishing, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one tests with customers in the market and actually building something, deploying a proof of concept, getting feedback, uh, running A-B testing, and then continuously iterating and bringing it, bringing things to market and or killing them before they come to market because they're not successful. That feedback loop back to that centralized brain trust ultimately becomes this kind of iterative circle and allows you to iterate and innovate in a way that will meet the customer need, will drive kind of that unified vision of strategy, uh, and I think lead to successful innovation. Where do you see the industry sitting on the curve of innovation? How far into it do you think we are? And the last four years have been just a weird time for the world. Um, we've been in such a kind of low interest rate environment, which has led to massive amounts of funding, which has led to kind of this growth of number of different businesses in the insure tech landscape and a lot of euphoria around what's going to come and a lot of buzz. And I think out of that came a lot of amazing ideas. Now, I think as money starts to dry up a little bit, as interest rates go up and, and um, you know, investment in, in a lot of these companies starts to shrink, what you're going to ultimately see is the companies that came up with ideas that were unique, couldn't immediately provide differentiated ROI strategies are, are going to struggle. And we're going to see a lot of them disappear uh, in this cycle. And what you're going to be left with are the companies that define those really well-aligned value propositions um, that meet these customer needs. And, and the best of breed is what's ultimately kind of going to to survive in this space. I think, I think there was a lot of hype in the last five to 10 years about insure techs coming over and, you know, changing the landscape for the, um, the legacy carriers. And, and I think the truth of the situation is more going to be an augmentation of the legacy carrier and their capabilities than it is, you know, um, wholesale replacement and, and this fear and, and dread that, 
um, the carriers came into this initial insure tech boom with. I, I just don't see the insure tech replacing the legacy carrier. It's going to be more of an augmentation. In this down cycle, you know, coming back to more of like what our firm does where funding isn't as easy, the concepts that we help companies with become even more important. Uh, if money isn't there from a funding standpoint, you either have to continue to generate more revenue or you have to take cost out of your business. There's only so much cost you can take out of a business and it's really sort of a short-term move um, than it is a long-term strategic move. So you're left with, how do I grow my business during this time where I'm not going to be able to immediately get the next funding round that I need? And that's where product market fit um, product offering structure and pricing become so important because every dollar that you can get out of pricing in your product fall directly down to the bottom line, assuming no change to the cost structure of your product. And those are long-term uh, benefits that you see year over year over year without having to figure out where you're going to remove costs from the business. A lot of companies are going to really have to put more thought and focus into those areas now. Uh, if they want to, um, you know, continue to survive in this market where getting that next round of funding is going to be much tougher for the next couple of years, I think, uh, than it's been for the last four or five. Michael Nadell, Senior Director of Insurance at Simon Kucher. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, Josh, thanks so much. I appreciate it.